Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And good afternoon, I'm Howie Silberger, and this is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you could call in, the show is live, which means that uh, the phone lines are open. one 669 1292 is the number to call. That's one 669 1292 We've got a great show for you tonight. I have a, I have a story that I, I want to talk about. It is a story that I've been following. I've, I've been following. I've been researching all week. Uh, it is something that, um, that, that horrifies me, literally horrifies me, and I think it's something we should talk about. Uh, Sheldon Eric Reed will be joining me in just a couple of minutes. And, uh, and of course, you are welcome to call in 1-877-669-1292. So uh, COVID has driven people crazy. This disease has, uh, has taken away common sense and has driven people absolutely insane. Some of the people that were driven insane were school teachers and in particular administrations of various schools. They're caught between parent fear teacher fear, student fear, and their own fear in running their schools and trying to figure out what the best way to run their schools are. I've, I find it fascinating, and I've watched administrators struggling with this, uh, trying to find the right, the right combination of things to do, the right balance in their schools to make the students happy, the parents happy, the teachers happy, and, uh, and their stakeholders happy. But... All this fighting for the safety of children, all this fighting for the health and the, and the welfare of children might be for naught. Why? Because they have changed their protocols for lockdowns. So active shooter protocols. That's not something we've been thinking about lately because uh, school shootings have pretty much died with the, uh, with, with the lockdowns, with the COVID lockdowns. We haven't heard too much about school shootings, but they are a reality in the world. And, uh, and lockdowns in schools are a reality in the world, too. Now, with COVID restrictions, there are schools in Canada. I know of three of them in Montreal and Toronto. I'm not going to name them because I don't want to give anybody ideas to go in and shoot up these places. So I'm not going to name them. But I've, I've found three schools so far, and we're, we're still investigating. We found three schools so far in Montreal and Toronto that have changed their COVID, they have changed their lockdown procedures uh, in deference to COVID regulations. So what does that mean? Typical lockdown procedures in schools are if, uh, if there's an active shooting situation or a, or a suspected active shooting situation or a suspected person on campus with an armed uh, weapon, uh, the, uh, the classrooms get locked down, so the doors get locked, the windows get covered, and the students are moved to a safe zone in the classroom. It's a designated zone uh, in the classroom that's considered a safe zone. It's far away from the windows. It's far away from the door. Uh, and it's considered a safe zone for students where they could huddle and, and wait out the lockdown until the police come and rescue them or until, uh, until, until, the, until the shooter is neutralized or, or whatever, whatever interference in the school is, is neutralized. Uh, these, these are well-defined and they're practiced continuously throughout the year in most schools. They have lockdown drills where students are trained to get up off the desks and get over to the corner 
as quickly as possible and as quietly as possible to turn their cell phones off and to sit there and wait uh, for safety. The, uh, the lockdown procedures help save lives. They really do. We saw that um, we saw in Parkland, Florida, during the uh, Stoneman Douglas shooting, that many of the students who, uh, who didn't die, some of them died because the bullets went through the walls and hit them while they were huddled in their corners, but many of the students that didn't die didn't, uh, didn't die because they weren't in the direct line of sight uh, of the shooter. So the shooter would look through the window. Some of the windows were covered, some of them weren't. In an emergency situation, you, you just rely on the teacher to do whatever they can in those situations. And uh, we, we saw in Stoneman Douglas in, in, in Parkland, Florida, that the students who didn't die didn't die because they got into their safe zones in their classrooms. The procedure works. Three schools in Canada so far that, that we've discovered, and we're going to continue looking into this, but three schools so far have changed their lockdown procedures in deference to COVID. And they have ordered the teachers to, to, to force the students during a lockdown to stay at their desks, not to huddle in the corner for fear of spreading COVID-19. Now, I'm thinking, wait a second. If there's a guy in the building with a gun who's shooting up the building, and the way for these kids to save themselves, to save their lives, is to huddle in the corner, uh, I don't think COVID-19 should be the, the overall criteria of, why, of, of, of allowing them to, to do uh, what is safe to do in those situations. These protocols were put together by security experts, and, um, and having students stay at their desks during an active shooting situation seems a little bit psychotic, if you ask me. So I, I'm, I'm continuing to look into the story because the story is putting our students at danger. It's putting our children at danger, in danger. It, with, the, with the guise of trying to save them from COVID, a disease that kills less than 2% of the people that contract it. I, I have to tell you that bullets flying through the air, hitting bodies, kill almost 100% of the people who contract them. Telling our students not to go and huddle in a corner into the safe zones, but to sit at their desks and be sitting ducks for an active shooter in a school is not only ludicrous, it's reckless. Putting our kids at danger is not acceptable, and we shouldn't sit back and, and relax. If you have kids, check with their schools what their lockdown procedures are. If they've been changed due to COVID, and if they have been changed due to COVID, uh, start kicking up dust. It's unacceptable. Joining me with reaction is Sheldon Eric Fried. He's my producer and a longtime friend, and uh, he's here on the show joining me for with reaction. Sheldon, how, how outrageous is this? I can't believe what I'm just hearing. Yeah, I really it's... cannot believe what you're telling me. I'm not saying you're you're telling me fabrications. I can't believe they're even thinking or instituting these measures because when a bullet hits somebody, like you said, and you put it very well, very eloquently, as you always do. A bullet hits a human body, you're practically finished. If you're not dead, you're severely injured. What, in terms of keeping students at their desks when bullets are flying, so the parents wouldn't be worried about COVID, they'd be worried about students' lives. They'd be seeing blood, they'd be seeing bodies all over the place. I don't, I don't understand this. Is this a... 
was this a federal or provincial government directive or who did this who okay, uh, so came I, up with this crazy idea I, i've received um uh, it started off where i received an anonymous tip uh somebody sent me the handbook uh of a school their, their lockdown handbook and they sent me a pdf of the lockdown handbook and i looked at it and i noticed that in the handbook uh, it says, you know, during lockdown procedures, during an active shooting situation or a drill of active shooting, uh, students are required to get up and go to the safe zone in the classroom. And I know that I work in schools and I, I know about the safe zones. I've, I helped, I actually helped a school uh, uh, determine wh where, where the safe zones were in the school. Uh, so so I'm, I'm up to date on the security procedures on how those, how those work. And, um, and, and so I, I saw that that was crossed out and then in, in, highlighted, uh, in highlighted text, right under that, it said COVID-19, and there was a colon, and it said students are to remain at their desks during active shooting uh, situations. I think and that's then, preposterous. And then they changed, they changed two or three different things. So, um, so during, um, during, during uh, any kind of lockdown, students are to remain at their desk um, due to COVID-19 restrictions. What? what, what? It's just, it's just mind-boggling. I'm almost speechless when I, when I think about something like this. It enrages me so much, it almost leaves me speechless. If I was a parent, I would be, I would be climbing the mountain. If my kids were in a school like that where they had the new change in the in change and they would be on the desk, I would be absolutely, I would be calling the school and I would be raising uh, HE double hockey sticks. What kind uh, of psychotic idea is this? That, that I, you're going to save I, your I kids know. from like, COVID... But by letting them be shot by 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 an active shooter, it, it almost Obviously, makes no sense. It was a person that had no sackle and no didn't think this through at all properly at all, weighing bullets over COVID because COVID, many cases you might be lucky enough that you will probably not get it. Even if you get it, there's uh, a ninety nine point nine four percent survival rate for COVID. Well, that, that's it exactly. How so much the was is, the survival rate for a bullet hitting you in the face? Well, exactly, or other parts of parts of your body. Once you get shot, I mean, that's it. End of story. I mean, that's uh, why would you come up with a directive like that? I mean, it's bad enough that we even have to have these procedures in place because it's bad enough that we even have to have school shootings, maybe in the United States or here in Canada. And it, it's to even to have this kind of safety procedure in the first place is scary enough as a parent, or if you know somebody knowing that goes to school or teachers or a school administrator. Yeah. And and every day you don't know what the next day is going to bring, especially if you're in a very, very, very big school. But to have a procedure like this whereby you can't go to a safe zone, which was bad enough and scary enough for students to do in the first place, knowing there's a shooter at your school, but for the students to remain at their desk, I don't even think a lot of teachers will even enforce that because I mean, I, think I'm, I'm, safety I'm, a, over... I'm a school teacher, and I'm telling you, if there was a lockdown situation uh, in my school, those kids oh, are going to the, those kids are going to the safe zone. Exactly. I will take and the risk. I, a, I will take I the risk. If I was a teacher, of, I would do the same thing. If my I would take the risk of the kids getting COVID over them getting shot absolutely. any day of the week, any day of the Who, week. But, but whose idea was this? I, is, I don't is, know. Is, but then, then after I got the first one, I started inquiring to other people working in other schools, asking them what their lockdown procedures were in the, the age of COVID. And they were sending me their lockdown handbooks, which, which basically had the same changes. So I found three schools already that, uh, that have changed their lockdown procedures to require students to sit at the desks rather than hide under the desks.
I wonder if it's more of an internal decision of the school board or, or the schools themselves rather than government directives. I don't know. But has your school received the school that you were teaching at that shall remain nameless? Has, have they received the new change in, in your safe zones? No. Okay. No, our school, our school is uh, trusting the teachers to do the best for the student. So if, okay. there's, if there's an issue, the teachers are trusted that they will do what is required of them to do um, at the time for the student. I mean, I'm I'm honestly shaking my head with this. I'm I'm so I'm sh I'm, I'm shocked is the word that comes to mind. Shock, shocked and very angry. I, uh, if I was a parent and I would have a, I would have my kids to go to school, I would say. You don't stay at your desk. You find the safest place, safe zones. You do exactly uh, school directives. You stay out of harm's way. And I don't care. If you get in trouble, get suspended, fine. I'd rather a suspension than a taking of a human life, especially my kids. And I'm sure a lot of parents out there are going to agree with that because parents will do anything to protect protect the safety and security of their kids. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it just seems so... Just seems so bizarre and odd and 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 crazy. Yeah, that's so that's got, beyond we, words. It's it's really I just whoever invented them is either probably not a parent or really did not think this whole thing through properly. Uh, you could call in if you want. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two to get in on the conversation. We got a couple of messages on Facebook. Uh, you, if you're watching on Facebook or on Twitter or on uh, on YouTube, you could type into the uh, message box and uh, the messages will pop up right here and we'll all be able to see them. Uh, Brian says they don't do enough drills for anything that might happen in school anyway. Uh, it's probably true. Uh, they do lockdown drills maybe two or three times a year. Uh, so so students are, are familiar with the procedure, but, but it's not really practiced. They only do fire drills twice a year or three times a year. So in the case of a real emergency, um, you know, it's, it's a free-for-all anyway. So I don't know how much these procedures or, that are written down actually will take place in the case of an actual emergency. Uh, but, but at the same time, if this is the official procedure, you're, you're basically doing what the, what the hospitals are saying they're doing, uh, is you're choosing who's going to live and who's going to die, right? So uh, you're, sacrificing, you're sacrificing students' lives for the... For, for, for the uh, for the political correct um, way to look at uh, at COVID nineteen, and that's 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 really idiotic, if you ask me. Now we yeah. got a second message from uh, Dino. Uh, Dino says, "Happy Hanukkah to both of you." Howie and Sheldon asked for the topic: How the hell can a school's lockdown procedure have been changed because of COVID? How bloody stupid have we become? And I agree with Dino. <laughs> oh, I agree <laughs> with is, Dino, and thank is, you so much for your wonderful wishes, Dino. But uh, yeah, I agree but, with him. But I agree with Dino. Dino. Imagine uh, Dino has Dino has school age kids, and imagine if the school that Dino's kids went to, or go to, uh, actually changed the procedure for that. How how crazy he would be going, and I would be going crazy too if uh, if I had kids and my kids were in school. Uh, I'd be going nuts if uh, if they changed the procedures to this. But you know what the the the, 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 the scary thing is that most parents don't know what the lockdown procedures are in the school. They're not shared with the parents. So it's an internal document that's shared with the teachers, but the parents, they say, look, you're not there during the lockdown. It's not really relevant to you for you to know what the, what the procedure is during the lockdown. And I, Don't I think, you think the parents should know, especially if the school starts notifying, starts notifying the parents? I mean, you, you remember the local Dawson College shooting, what happened? Yeah. And uh, I was at the station when, uh, and I remember even going 
going on my way to the metro and I saw students that were running to Concordia University. Yeah, for sure. Uh, look, and, and, look, you know, a, a, an active shooting situation is a is a scary, dangerous situation. And the most we could do is protect the most vulnerable in those situations. So the most vulnerable people in those situations are not the teachers. They are the students. The students should be the form uh, on the foremost of our thoughts in, in those kind of situations. Now, how do you protect students in a classroom when somebody is shooting up a school? How do you protect students? You take them to the safest place possible, the place where the shooter can't see them, the place where, where, where the bullets can't ricochet off something and hit them, the, the, the corner of the classroom, which is away from windows and away from the door and away from, uh, away from anything that the bullet could come through, and you shield your students there. You build a fortress around yourself with... Um, with desks, this is, this is the procedure, you take desks, you cover yourself up with desks, and you hide behind the desks in the corner until the SWAT team comes and tells you it's safe. This is the procedure, this is the way the procedure should be. Telling the kids to stay at their desks? Holy cow. Now, uh, I, I want to go back to Parkland, because, uh, because that was the latest, uh, biggest shooting that we had, well, it was a couple of years ago, right? Mm -hmm. At Stoneman uh, Stone Douglas in Parkland, in Parkland, Florida. So I want right. to go back there. So uh, in the Parkland shooting, uh, when, they, when the shooter, it was a big school. I, there were over 2,500 students in the school. So it was a big school. And uh, when, this, when, when they started shooting one building, uh, the teachers in another building heard that they were shooting in the, in the building. I mean, it, it, the information got to them. And they started locking down their classrooms. And, and there, was, um, there was a story about, uh, about, about a grade 8 class. And, and the kids were sitting at their desks. And then the teachers heard, heard the shooting. She actually heard shooting in the hallway. And she said, all right, kids, let's go. Come here. Come here and come close, right? And one kid didn't move quick enough. And he got shot sitting at his desk. And he died right there on his desk. And, and, and I remember seeing maybe a year later, the teacher was interviewed, about a year later. And she said, you know, she said, I, I, I really had no control over the situation. I, I was trying to get the kids to come to the safest area possible, to come to the safest part of the classroom, where we knew that, that if they shot through the door, if they shot through the windows, uh, the kids would be safe. And she was, said, I was trying to, you know, I, I told the kids, get over here. She says, she says but I could have done more. I, she blamed herself for this kid's death. She said, I could have done it. I could have grabbed him by the arm. I could have I dragged him. I could have, you know, there's something, I, I could have done something. She said, instead, I stood there with the rest of the kids and I watched them bleed to death on his desk, right? She says, and, and, and this haunted her. She was haunted by this. So why are we setting up teachers to watch their students die for fear of this virus that is 99.95% curable? I, I'm, I'm not sure why we're doing this. Maybe you could explain this. Maybe somebody could explain this to me. Uh, give me a call. one 669 1292 Sheldon, maybe you could explain this to me because I'm really, I'm, I'm really lost in, in, this whole, in, this whole, in this whole argument. I don't understand. Well, the first statement is this virus is not a bullet. And, and as soon as people know this and whoever came up with this cockamamie BS rule, that the better uh, the better is going to better things are going to be because I don't see any teacher following this procedure because like you said who's the most vulnerable people in the school it's the students who are the parents depending on ensuring the safety of the students while at school 
the teachers. So the teachers are being entrusted to take care and to keep the kids safe. If God forbid, so got to Pete the million times, there's a shootout at a school. If I was a teacher, I would say the heck with the directive. I'm going to do whatever it, it is. I know you would do the same thing. I wouldn't even think twice. Yeah, I wouldn't think twice. I know uh, parents like Dino who has kids in the school. I know they, they would uh, they would salute the teacher. He would applaud the teachers by saying, the hell with the directives. Do whatever it takes to keep my kids and to keep all kids safe. Yeah. And the difference between COVID, COVID is a virus. Like you said, it's a 90 some odd percent success rate. That doesn't kill. Bullets kill. If bullets ricochet or whatever, if it hits uh, some kind of an object and, it, and it, it hits you, you can't react faster. You're not Superman that uh, you could dodge a bullet that quickly. A bullet goes very, 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 very fast. Yes, it does. Yeah. And, and if somebody's shooting, uh, you know, like that child, unfortunately, that died at his desk or her desk, it's, it's a shame. I mean, imagine what that teacher must be feeling. I can't imagine that that's probably going to haunt that teacher for the rest of his or her life. Yeah. But when a bullet is going that fast, you can only do so, so much. And if it's just the second delay that the student reacts, even if the teacher were going to drag the student up, a bullet is going that fast. Let's do the math here in physics. A bullet is going that fast and the velocity of that bullet. And God knows if it's a rapid fire machine gun that the person is using, he's, he, he's going to keep shooting to ensure the most, the most fatalities what do you think is going to happen with that student? Sheldon, let me, it, let me just point out because a couple of questions are coming in regarding this. Uh, they, they, the question is, is this directed from the school or from the board? Uh, the, the, uh, the answer is that, um, that uh, all the schools that I found so far are private schools. They're not, they're not public schools. Let's go to the phones. Hi, who's this? Yes, hi. Uh, this is Aaron. I'm, I'm calling uh, into the show. Hi, Aaron. You're, uh, you're on the air. Oh, Aaron, you just have to turn off. You just have to turn uh, turn down the uh, turn down the replay because there's a little bit of a buffer. So, how, how you doing, Howie? I am excellent. How are you? Thank God, thank God, Baruch Hashem. So uh, I'm gonna talk. You know, uh, classic. Uh, you know, today you have to say this. I guess you know. I'm gonna talk from a point of privilege. I I recently contracted the virus. I have it right now. Right. Um, and so obviously I, I can only speak on behalf of my experience, which obviously you know you can't generalize. Um, with, with you know, uh, you know if you if you know me, you know I'm I'm 22 years old. You know I'm I'm reasonably healthy. Uh, and, and there's just a boatload of factors that that uh you know decide you know what the the prognosis is. It varies from person to person. But I think at the end of the day, how I, when it comes to with the teachers, right? Because I think that's what you were uh, you were talking about. I think what, what the situation we have here is uh is where an immovable force meets an immovable object. And I say that in the sense that I really think that, you know, you have a situation where people, you know, people are always looking, people always look out for themselves at the end of the day. You know, they always look for their own safety. And with that being said, however, you know, people are also very, you know, entrust, you know, especially teachers, you know, being, you know, such a, um, you know, I guess, bureaucracy in a certain sense, you know, in terms of following regulations and stuff, you know, they have a tendency to, you know, uh, to follow, you know, follow orders and follow regulations. I mean, that's what anyone would do, you know, given, you know, health measures. It's always been like that throughout history. But I think with the COVID scenario, I think what's happening now is the level of uncertainty is so high. We don't know who to believe anymore. And at the end of the day, the only person you could really count on is yourself. And I feel like 
with teachers when it comes to, you know, they don't want to have any uh, liability over what really happens to to some students, and they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to screw things up for themselves and, and get sick themselves. So I think I think that's the situation we're looking so at. So Aaron, you you agree you with know? the you agree with this policy that during a lockdown, during an active shooting lockdown, students should stay at their desks rather than going to the safe zone for fear of catching COVID. No, absolutely not. But I just think that that I I don't think that that that, that that's warranted in any way, shape, or form. But I I just do think because okay, what's your initial argument? Just reiterate that for me, please. So my my initial argument is that this is insane. That three schools have ordered their teachers to make the kids force the kids to stay at their desks during an active shooting uh, situation, rather than going to the safe zone in the classroom because there's a fear that they may contract COVID nineteen. Okay. So in regard, so that, well. Thing. Okay, so I guess I, I apologies. I kind of misinterpreted the whole uh, the whole argument. But you know what I can say to that, I, I think is that I, like, but it still goes back to that the level of uncertainty that we have towards this this highway. I mean, you see, you, I'm sure the amount of heinous things you've seen people do as a result of of this COVID-19, which is in no way, shape, or form warranted by the real dangers that are presented by it. Like you said, it's a 99.7% survival rate. Yeah. But you've seen people probably do the crazy... I, I swear I saw someone wearing a hazmat suit in a Costco. I swear. Yeah, yeah, I've and seen it. Was, it was, you know, so I think with the... Because people just don't... No one really knows anything, and people can only look out for themselves. They're willing to, you know, not... They're not going to use... They're not going to exercise that, that, that faculty... Of, of logic, of rational thinking that... But Aaron, if you, were, if you were a parent, Aaron, if you were a parent and you had kids in the school and that school changed their policy to say that during an active shooting situation or any kind of dangerous situation where the school has to be locked down, that child has to remain in its seat, uh, would, would, that, would that infuriate you? Would you, be ang- would you be upset and angry? Well, I'd, yeah. It, I'd be more, I wouldn't just be upset, but I think I'd be very, very embarrassed and I'd be very perplexed. I mean, at that point, it's... It's almost like, well, what, what are you using to think with? What are, how are you, how are you making, how are you making all these ledges? You know, how are you deci- What is the decision-making process? Like, what kind of rationale are, are these people using to make decisions? And I would be worried, not just based on that, you know, situation, but I'd be worried. Well, what other decisions are they going to make? And what other, you know, <laughs> th- uh, fallacies are they going to, you know, act on just because they they don't have any. You know, more, at this point, there's no moral compass in that sense. That, that is actually no. an excellent point that I, I didn't even think of. Uh, what, what, else, what else are they changing that, that's going to put more people into danger? You're 100% right, Aaron. Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate it. All right. Ciao, Howie. Take care. Take care, man. Hak Sameach. Happy Hanukkah. Now, now, Aaron is 100% right there, Sheldon. If they're making yeah. this kind of ridiculous decision, what, else, what other decisions are they making that are going to put kids into danger? Uh, you know what, to quote my late father, may rest in peace, the person that thought it out or persons that thought it out, what's between the shoulders is not a hat rack. <laughs> it's, it, it's something that they have to, you know, they have to rethink this. And when it comes to anything, it has to come right down to safety and security of the students. In, and, in my opinion, in my opinion, and this, this is my opinion, um, I'm not in the position of these administrators. I'm not an administrator, so I'm not in the position of these administrators. But in my opinion, student safety has to come first. And, and sure. student COVID safety is one thing. But there are things that trump COVID. There, there are events that happen, unfortunately, in schools 
that 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 should be on a higher priority level than worrying about transmitting COVID nineteen to each other. Uh, so when 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 somebody is a life is in imminent danger, meaning that there is a fire or a flood or a uh, or a shooter, God forbid, in the school, then we should be um, then we should be a little more vigilant uh, in in dealing with those situations and making sure our kids are safe in those situations. Then, then we are in. Um, then, then we should be, you know, uh, looking at COVID and 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 worrying about COVID. I Absolutely. mean, that's the, that's the way I see it. That's the way I would see it too. I mean, both as a as a teacher, as a parent. I mean, it. it I. T- it sounds to me like you were saying it was these. Pri- it was the private schools that came up with this thing. I'm really three surprised. Pri- three private schools. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm really surprised that you and and parents are paying top dollar for these. For the kids' education and things, does that does that mean that there's less security, and there's less security or less stringent procedures whereby if a shooter comes to the school, that they just think that staying by a desk is more is more than a safety area of the school, a safety zone of the I school. I mean, maybe they'll insist that the shooter wear a mask while he's shooting the students. I mean. I mean like like where where does it end right yeah i mean like aaron was saying it it, it it's ridiculous and you know and, and as they say for covid there's nothing as frightening as the unknown we're being bombarded by media on so many things and we you and i've talked about this countlessly of the situation whereby the media has put the fear of god of covid uh, maybe certain things are true, but some things are, may not necessarily be true. I have to be honest are with you, Sheldon. Not, are not true at all, Sheldon. I'm going to be I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you, Sheldon. Uh, I am more scared of a guy with an AK-47 or or, so or 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 some kind of rifle or assault rifle that's walking through a school than I am about COVID-19. Absolutely. I'll be I'll be honest so about might. it. I am I am 100 percent more scared of, of somebody with a gun. Than I am of COVID nineteen. Well, even if we had all the facts and everything we knew, everything from A to Z about COVID, like I was saying before, you cannot measure the velocity in a bullet and how quickly a life could be taken in a second when a shooter does does his thing and guns down students, as opposed to a virus that may or may not affect somebody, but that does not necessarily mean that person's going to die. Right. Because, like you said, you said the success rate. The the, uh, the success rate in terms of people getting over the virus is very, very high. Yes, there have been people that have passed away from the virus. There's no question about it. And my, my heart goes out to the families of the people who died from COVID. But even more so, when you take the school shooting in Florida, when you took, took the, sh- uh, the school shooting in Connecticut and other places around the world, it, it happens so fast within a blink of an eye and snap. Right away, somebody comes into a school, student goes in, says goodbye to their mother and father for the day. Next thing you know, it's on the three o'clock news or whatever the case is, that student is not coming home. That student's going to be in a body bag. Yep. one 1292 Do you find it ludicrous, crazy, and, and, and unbelievably irresponsible that a school will have, that three schools have changed their lockdown procedures and asked that teachers keep students at their desks rather than going to the safe zone in the classroom for fear of spreading COVID-19. 1-877-669-1292.
Now, Sheldon, what, what, it, it is Hanukkah. Yeah. And um, and Hanukkah is uh, is the festival of light, and so we have to we have to shed some light too. We have to be a little happier. I mean that that story really you know really upset me. Uh, I'm really upset oh. about that story. So am I. I'm upset about this too. That's that story really shook me all week. I've been I've been researching the story all week last week. I've been trying to get more information about the story. I didn't believe it at first, but then I got the handbooks. I have the physical handbooks, and there it is. <laughs> so I just want to say one thing to the parents, though. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. For the parents on those three schools that are that are, have changed their their safe their safety protocols, planning to do the same thing as these three schools, I would say to parents, uh, I, it's, as I say, the strength in numbers, you go, you call, you stay on top of the situation and say, listen, this is not going to work because I'm sorry, the safety and security of my child is more important than COVID-19 right now, because I am not going to, I, I would be so upset at the teacher if the teacher refused to move the students in a safe zone and would keep the students to the desk because the students are going to listen to what the teachers are going to say most most cases the students are going to listen to what the teachers the directors they're going to trust the that the teacher is looking out for their best interest that's so what the thing is going to do are the teachers looking out for their jobs or are the teachers looking out for the health and welfare of the students and that shouldn't even come down to the jobs because that shouldn't even amount of them being disciplined because the teachers are responsible for the safety and security of the students. Let me be extremely clear, and I will be clear, uh, extremely, extremely clear right now. As a school teacher, and I am a school teacher, I teach high school, if I had a directive like this, that would be one directive that I would not follow. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of teachers that are going to be in your footsteps. I would say no way. If there is a safe place for me to bring my children, to bring the students uh, under my care during a active shooting situation, God forbid, I will do everything in my power to keep those students as safe as possible. Could you imagine also the teachers that would le- that would leave the students at the desk and God forbid, God forbid a million times, yeah. student gets shot, the student gets killed. How can the teacher go to sleep at night? How could the teacher live with him or herself knowing that they could have very well disobeyed the the school directive and shielded their students and and bring them into a safe zone where where the the chances of them being injured or killed would be a lot less? It's mind-boggling that a school administration could release this. Mind-boggling. And that three separate school administrations could release this is even more mind-boggling. So I urge all parents that... Uh, to really examine, even ask the schools to see their protocols and do whatever it takes. Be on top of this and be the parents and look out for the health and welfare of your kids and say to the schools, I'm not going to take this. I want my kids to be protected no matter what. I want all kids to be protected no matter what. This is what I'm entrusting you for, the education, the safety, the welfare and security of my kids. And if you're going to leave my kids to the to, uh, at a desk, you don't deserve to be a teacher. I agree. I agree. One hundred and ten percent. And that's exactly how that's exactly how I would say it as a parent. I'm sorry. There's certain things that are more important. It's called self-respect and it's called safety and security of my kids. And your job is to 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 watch out for my kids. You're their surrogate parent while they're in school. Yeah, we're not saying a babysitting service. No, but we're but we're saying the job is of the teacher is to educate the kids to the best of their abilities 
obviously for the kids to work and hard to, to be keep able to them safe them. during the and day keep them, keep them safe and secure at all times while on school property if i'm standing in front of the school and a student runs out into the into the traffic i'm going to go and grab that kid and drag him back to the sidewalk because yeah. because it's my job it's my responsibility to ensure the safety of the students simple as that so if there's an active shooter that comes into the school it's my job my 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 responsibility to make sure that that child is safe, as safe as could be in, in any situation that we're in. Nobody's telling anybody to go after the shooter. No. Uh, the teacher or, or the student or school administration. But you do whatever you can to hide your students, make sure they're safe until law enforcement gets there and apprehends the suspect. Yeah. one 877 uh, no, so, so as I was saying, it's Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is this festival of light. We're supposed to be happy on Hanukkah. But this, this story just makes me angry. It just, it just makes me angry. Um, there, there's a question I ask every Hanukkah when we do the show on Hanukkah. Sheldon, you know what the question is. I've asked it every year for the last 26 years on Hanukkah, on the Hanukkah show. Uh, if you could name a Maccabee today, who would it be? Who would you consider today's Maccabees? And uh, most years I don't have an answer to that question. Uh, simply because with assimilation and with uh, with 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 the um, with with the 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 lessening of uh, of Jewish culture in the world today, it's very hard to find people who stand up for Judaism, stand up for uh, Jewish rights, and stand up for uh, for 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 values, moral values, family values, and uh, and the values exposed by the Torah. So uh, it's very very hard to find a Maccabee today. Uh, I would I would propose. If I was going to choose who was a Maccabee, uh, I would propose a guy like Meyer Weinstein, uh, who uh, Mayor Weinstein, who uh, who is the head of the Jewish Defense League of Toronto, uh, mm-hmm. who stands up every day and fights for Jewish rights and and fights for Israel. Uh, We've had him on this show several times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just last week, Mayor got up uh, and and there's there's a restaurant in uh, in Toronto called Food Benders. And they, they support Gaza and they, they want to defund the police. They're, they're a really lefty group of people. And he stood up in front, of, uh, in, in front of food vendors a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. But just the other night, he stood there and he lit the menorah in front of food vendors and said, let the menorah of Hanukkah uh, shine its light on you and, and, and give you some wisdom. Um, doing stuff like that, being a Jewish activist, I, nice. I, I, I respect things like that. Uh, so, nice. so I would, I would reckon, I would say that a Maccabee for me today would be Mayor Weinstein. Another Maccabee uh, w- for me would be a group of people, uh, the the fighters, the the warriors of the Israel Defense Force. These people defend Israel. They defend Jews, not only in Israel but around the world. And I, I have to say that uh, these are our Maccabees today. Uh, I can't think of too many other people that I would put into the Maccabee class, and I, not too many other people that I would that I would consider Maccabees today. But I could be, you know, guilty of narrow thinking. That's that's for sure. So uh, I, I invite you to call in one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two, or to put into the message board uh, who you think is a Maccabee, and uh, and and let's share some ideas. But uh, don't just tell me the name of who you think is a Maccabee. Also, tell me why you think they're Maccabees. So, 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 what would make them a Maccabee? So, so you have to qualify it. You, you can't just tell me that uh, that you know Howie's a Maccabee, but you know, tell me why Howie's a Maccabee. 
Um, I'll tell me. you why, why Howie's a Maccabee. Go ahead. I, because I, you, you, you I didn't name myself always... on purpose. It was just an example. No, me. I was actually going to pick you, and I'll tell you why, being yeah. serious. Is the fact that you've always looked out and you've always defended Judaism and you've always wanted to promote Judaism and you always you always looked after the underdog and you always wanted to because you we've had it on many many shows that we've had together in the past seven years that I've been associated with of how many times uh, you've questioned about the Jewish uh, situation in Montreal and uh, Jewish people around the world all of a sudden have deteriorated in terms of the support and terms of uh, promoting Judaism, promoting, uh, promoting the religion. And I remember, look, even locally in, in our neck of the woods here, I mean, how many, we used to have big, major, major festivals here, huge festivals. You stood up, you, you, you questioned, you were the one who questioned why where a lot of people just didn't care anymore or the people that used to be involved in the festivals just decided what's the point and you said there is a point and you that's that's one thing that i've always respected about you not only are you a wonderful friend and former colleague but that's one thing i've always respected that you stood up and you voiced your opinion and you really you really were very steadfast and you were very strong and nobody would ever sway you. And I know you've had very bad experiences with people in terms of even wearing a kippa. In you don't know areas. the half of it, Sheldon. <laughs> well, no, no, I know. I'm, there's things I know you told me off air, yeah. but, you know, but uh, but I know like the things that I'll say on air is like I know you were saying at Concordia University. Uh, you mentioned this publicly that you were harassed, you were threatened, but you stood up for your own. You stood up. And that's what I respected about you. And to me, I do name you a Maccabee. I do, for sure. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I wouldn't put myself in that category, but I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. We got we got a couple of messages. Uh, Trump is a Maccabee, but he doesn't explain why. Uh, but I assume that he's a Maccabee because he moved the Israeli embassy to Jerusalem and that he's been arranging for all these Arab countries to 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 negotiate peace with Israel. So I assume that's why uh, that's why he was nominated here for as a Maccabee, uh, but but the person who nominated him doesn't say why. Uh, happy Hanukkah, Howie and Sheldon from Fanny. Fanny wishes you a happy Hanukkah, Sheldon. Thank you, Fanny. All the best to you and your family as well. And uh, Jason agrees with you. Howie is a Maccabee. It's true. We love you, Howie. Thank you so much, guys. Um, uh, but 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 there are other people in the world who are Maccabees who do a lot more than I do. Uh, Yes, I, I did stand up for Judaism. I do stand up for Judaism in every opportunity I have to. It is detrimental sometimes to my career. It is detrimental sometimes to my health. It is detrimental sometimes to my mental well-being. But I do it anyway because I feel it's right. And, and we should all do that. We should all do what we feel is right. Um, you know, I get attacked a lot, Sheldon. I don't know if you know this. Well, by what you were telling me but, both on and off the air, yeah. But uh, if anyone who follows me on Facebook, anybody who's part of the Howie Silberger Show group on Facebook, will see that, you know, that, that when I put up stuff that is pro-Jewish or pro-Israel or, uh, or, or, or things that I feel is right, I get attacked a lot. And it doesn't bother me. I don't mind being attacked. Uh, but I just wish, sometimes I just wish that people would attack the idea 
rather than attacking the messenger. And that, that is an art that is lost, an art of conversation that is lost, Sheldon. Welcome to politics. What do you think? The, what do you think it, I've been telling you telling you about uh, all the shows? It's, instead of people attacking issues and and debating the issues properly, they attack the person. They attack the family. They attack anybody that has anything to do with this political candidate. So it's the same thing as your ideas. Why are they attacking you as a person? Yeah, that's the question. Uh, Danny, you never you never broke the law. You were never you never murdered anybody. You never committed any major crimes. All you did was voice your opinion. It's true. And, and I've been ostracized because of that, to a certain extent. Uh, Danny Danon is a Maccabee for putting up with a lot of crap at the UN. So Danny Danon is the uh, UN ambassador to Israel. Uh, Israel is a uh, UN ambassador. And he puts up a lot of garbage at the UN. Uh, he also puts up these great videos. I don't know if you ever saw his videos on YouTube. He puts up these great videos. Uh, it's, it's basically a, um, a, a politics 101 video on, on Israeli politics. So he'll choose a topic and then he'll give you a, a, an outline, a, a brief lesson about that topic. So the origins of Palestinians, is Judea and Samaria occupied territories, uh, is Israel breaking international law? And he, would, he, would, he does these short videos, which are very mm -hmm. clear and concise and educational. Uh, and when you watch them, he makes it very clear. Uh, and, and he says, he says right out, look, there's two sides to the story, but this is our side. And you know, he explains it clearly. And for that, for being educational and for being the UN ambassador and putting up with the garbage, I agree. Danny Danone is what Maccabee today, 100%. Um, let me give you, let me, let, me, let me tell you a story, Sheldon. I, I, went, mm -hmm. to a, uh, I went to a store today. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to call out the store name here, but uh, anyone who's interested could check out my Facebook. It's there. Uh, I, went to the store I went to a store today. They had some Hanukkah specials that I wanted to take advantage of. So I walked through the door of the store and I went and I got the stuff that I wanted to get. And then I was having a Hanukkah party at the school, so I had to buy a bunch of stuff for the Hanukkah party. I went to the cash and I ran my, stu my stuff through first because I had to pay twice because I needed two bills. So I asked them if I could have two bills on you know, one order and they said, no, you have to have two orders to have two bills. So I said, fine. I ran my stuff through and my bill came out to $27, Sheldon. And the cashier said to me, I'm sorry, sir, in order to get the sale price, you have to buy $30 worth of stuff. So I looked at the cashier and I said, I understand. Okay, if that's the criteria, I understand the criteria. I have $27 worth of stuff here and I have about $50 worth of stuff in my second order. So I want to get the sale price because I'm buying about $65 worth of material here, right? I, I mean, this is... Um, I'm not, it's not just one order. I'm not just coming with my $27 and saying, hey, give it to me. I'm $3 short. I could have picked up a pack of gum and, or picked up a bag of chips and, and it could have filled the $3. But I said, listen, I have two orders going through now and these two orders are worth double what your minimum is. So why can't they get the sale price? And she looked at me and without even batting an eyebrow, she said, sir, you have $27. You need $30 in order to get the sale price. So at that point, I said, you know what? Forget it. Cancel my order. I canceled my personal order. I wasn't going to give them the extra $3. It was the principle of the thing. It wasn't even so much the money. I mean, it was a big deal, $3. Spending $60, the $3 wasn't going to change anything. But it was the principle of the thing, saying, look, I am spending double what your minimum is. I can't put it on one bill because I have to pay twice because I need two, two separate receipts. 
because I'm paying for one and the school's paying for one. So I need two separate receipts, but I'm spending the money. It's there. Nope. So I ended up buying the school stuff. I didn't buy my stuff. So I put it up on Facebook and the, the store answered me. And the store said to me, listen, you know, we put limits on, uh, on some of our sales and we apologize that this happened to you, but we put limits on some of our sales and, um, and next time call on a manager. Why do I have to beg for a discount? You know, the customer service sometimes sucks in stores, Sheldon. It's like, you think, it's like so you terrible. You think that they... <laughs> Look, if I was a cashier, uh, just honestly, between you and me, if I was a cashier and a customer was there and he had two orders and one order was for $27 and it had to be minimum 30 and the other order was for like $45 or whatever, $47, $50, whatever, whatever it was. Um, and, and, and he asked me before, could I run them through at the same time? And I said, no, you have to split them in half because I can't give you two receipts. There has to be two separate orders. Uh, and I saw that the guy was buying a lot of stuff. Um, I would have probably called the manager over myself. I wouldn't have waited for the customer to call the manager over. I would have called the manager over and said, hey, listen, what can we do for the guy? Look, you know, it's, it's only fair, right? They didn't know what the second order was for. They, I just needed two receipts. So I was buying everything. So the cashier should have automatically called the manager over instead of uh, telling the customer, sorry, I can't do anything for you. Um, Maybe it was the cashier's idea about keeping kids at their desk as opposed to in the <laughs> safe zones. It's possible, but I doubt it. Um, okay. but, I, but, I, but, I, but I was really upset, so I put up on Facebook that I'm not going back to the store because I didn't like the customer service there. So the store answered me, and they said, listen, you know, we, have, we put limits on our stuff, and, and, if, and you, know, you should have called the manager. Maybe a manager could have helped you, and perhaps I should have called the manager. But I was pressed for time, and I didn't feel like waiting, and uh, and and it just kind of bothered me that that this this situation happened to start with. I mean, this should never have been a situation. I should never have been put into the position where I had to call a manager. Well, the cashier should have called the manager if she or he was not able to make that decision independently right. on their own. Exactly. They should they should have called the manager if they were in doubt. They should have called the manager. Exactly. Uh, because I know that they may not be able to make that decision no, on themselves. Not. Probably not. So I so if I was in that situation and I was the cash and I saw two separate orders, just like what you did, yeah, one twenty-seven dollars and the other one fifty or whatever the case is, I would say, you know what? Let me see what I can do. I'm going to ask the manager to come here. Maybe we can do something. Right. So at least I would take the initiative, ask the manager to come there. So at least they would see that I, I as an employee of the store, got the manager to see if I was able to do something for the client. Now, if the manager refuses. It well, would be on him story. or her. That's why, yeah, it wouldn't right. be on me, but at least they could see that I was trying as an employee of the store and I wanted to get the business. So the customer would see it's not me, it's on the manager. And if the manager says fine, at least they'll say, well, that's really nice for you to step up the bat for me and get the manager over here and for me to get my discount. As opposed to them saying, well, you should, you should speak to the manager. No, that should have been up to the employee to speak to the manager. Yeah, the employee should have called the manager and said, listen, this guy's buying all this stuff. Maybe this, you know, maybe could I give him the discount? I mean, that should have just been automatic. But it Absolutely. wasn't. Absolutely. But it yeah. wasn't. So I ended up not buying the stuff I wanted for myself, just buying the stuff for the school and walking out of the store with a sour taste in my mouth, which is very unfortunate that, you know, that, that stores do that. You know, when you lose one customer, you lose 10 customers. I'm talking about it right now on this radio show. It's listened to by thousands of people. I, I didn't name the store on purpose. If you want to and see you also the, posted it on Facebook. If too, you want to so. see if you want to see the store name, you go to my Facebook, you look at Facebook, the store name's posted on Facebook. But I'm not gonna name it on the show because I don't think it's fair to name it on the show. But it's fair. I, I, it's named on Facebook. So if you want to see it, go to Facebook. 
Sheldon, we're almost out of time. Uh, do you do you have aside from me? Do you have any other nominations for Maccabees? Um, not that anything comes to mind right now. But I no, I nothing comes to mind. Isn't that o- only sad? You, Howie. Isn't that only sad? you, my friend? Isn't that sad though that I am the uh, I am the only guy you could think of that you would put into the Maccabee category? Yeah, but you know, but yeah, but you know what? It's not That's that it, sad. It, I'm not just saying it like quote to suck up or whatever the case is. Because I, I see what you do, and people that listen to the show on a regular basis, they see what you stand up for. They see your passion. They see that you know you want to keep alive the Jewish community. So that's why that's why I like it was. It just came to mind right away. It just said this this is you know easy peasy. Yeah. Because this is what you do. This is what you strive to do. This is what the show's all about. That's what it's been this about for twenty. A lot of it. Is a, it's about your passion towards the Jewish community. It's been like that for twenty odd years, Sheldon. Exactly. So that's why that's why you're elected, as far as I'm concerned, as the Maccabee. Thank you. All right. So that's it. We're out of time, uh, Sheldon. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it. A healthy and happy Hanukkah to all of our Jewish listeners. Yes, a happy Hanukkah to everybody. Um, and thank you for the people who wished us a healthy and happy Hanukkah. Yeah, a whole bunch of them tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we have one more. And, we have, and thank you for listening. We have one more, one more nomination for Maccabee. Just before we go, uh, whoever knocked off that Iranian scientist is truly a Maccabee, and I, I agree with I agree with them too. The uh, the Iranian nuclear <laughs> okay. scientist, whoever knocked him off, was a Maccabee for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, once again, once again, just before we go, I just want to reiterate that if you have kids in school, call the school, write to the school. Ask the school to see the lockdown procedure. If your school, if your child's school changed their lockdown procedure to force your child to stay in his seat or her seat during a active shooting situation, then you must, you must, it's not even a question, you must object to it. You must insist that children are brought to a safe zone during dangerous situations, period. There should be no debate about it. There should be no question about it. And uh, as a parent, you should be outraged if your school, if your child's school changed the policy. Call the administration, call the school board, call your, call anybody, call the principal, call anybody. Don't blame your teachers, but it's because it, it's not the teachers that made this up. But go to the administration, go to the school board. If you're part of a parent-teacher association, if you're at any kind of... Uh, a liaison between you and the school, then please reach out, really do the right thing as a parent. Insist that your child be taken to the safest possible place in case, God forbid, a million times somebody comes into a a school with a gun. All right, that's it. We're all out of time. Thank you so much for uh, for being here, for for listening to us. Happy Hanukkah to everybody. May uh, may the Hanukkah light shine in shine in. You see, always at the end of the show, Sheldon. I, I've noticed that about you. Eh? Everything always right at the end of the show. Everything smooth the whole show. Then right at the end of the show, I. Okay, let's rewind. All right, let's try let's this play. again. May the Hanukkah light shine on you and your family, and may the light of Judaism and morality shine upon the world. That's what I wanted to say, Sheldon. That was well, very well. Put very, very done. Well done. Well done. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right. We'll, see you. we'll see you again next week. I'll be back Take on Tuesday, by the way. Tuesday with Political Hitman here on the uh, True Talk Radio Network and maybe a Howie Silberger show. We'll see. Well, I'll see you on Tuesday.